It's time for Heatwave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heatwave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. Saturday night edition of Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. Tim Unglesby and Damon Cotton with you here in Vegas. My co-host, as always, New York City's finest, TomBartonSports.com, the namesake, Mr. Tom Barton. And Tom, here we go again, man. The the, the OG crew back together consecutive. This will be now show number four consecutively. Oh, yeah, we're good. Getting the old groove back here, Tim. I absolutely love it. I really do. And, and especially during football season, like we are in, um, you know, it is just so much to talk about. I mean, absolutely so much to talk about. We talk about it constantly all day long, leading right up into the show. And it, look, we've got a good college football day going on, but I am pumped up about the NFL. We always overreact to week one. I think there's a lot of money to be made tomorrow in the NFL. I think there's a lot of fantasy implications tomorrow in the NFL. I think a lot of eye-opening situations in the NFL. So I think the NFL is going to be uh, just really exciting tomorrow, putting week one almost behind us. Yeah, week two now already officially started with Thursday night's win by the Eagles. We'll get to every game on the board, break it down for you here in tonight's show. If you would like to get interactive with us, you can find us over there on that X or that Twitter at HW Sports, at Tom Barton Sports, just send us a message, leave us a tweet. We'll uh, address that here on the air. Or if you're still old school and the phones work, 876-1340 would be the heat wave hotline. But we'll buckle in tonight. We're going to do all football and get you ready for uh, Sunday. Sunday action all day tomorrow. We'll put the dents in the couch and lead you into tomorrow night's super, night, uh, super Sunday night edition of Heat Bay Sports as well. So let's get... Everybody caught up with games in progress right now, Tom. Four games still on the docket. Uh, if you have parlay or straight bet implications, here we go. Arizona at home leading UTEP in the third quarter, 14-3. to Up in Reno, Kansas, 24-7. That's not a basketball game, by the way. Kansas, 24-17. They lead the Wolfpack up north. Fresno State now, 26-0 over Arizona State. How bad is the Sun Devil program? And the big one, Tom, this is the one everybody's talking about up into the week. The, the point spread moved. Give me your thoughts on this right now as we're heading to a minute to go in the third quarter. The Colorado State Rams, 21, Deion Sanders, 14. Yeah, look, you know, it's funny because you said Deion Sanders, uh, you know, 14. And, and that's what it is. It's it's not even Colorado, not his players right. anymore. It's it's just the Dion show. And it's always been the Dion show. Anybody that knows Dion knows he was a very, very good player, but he always made it all about himself. He always was the guy that wanted to have the spotlight, even if he wasn't the best player. Even if he had major deficiencies in his game, it was all about me, 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 me. I mean, he's making people call him, uh, you know, Coach Prime. You'll never hear me call him Coach Prime. It's it's Dion Sanders or Sanders or Mr. Sanders or Coach Sanders. None of this nonsense. That's what this is. The, the entire thing is an absolute charade. They might pull this game out here, Tim, okay? But college game day being there, the rock being there, they opened up the broadcast today and said, um, literally, word for word, they said, it, it's it's like a, a BET award show on the sidelines. And, you know, Lewis Riddick said that. I don't care about how many celebrities are there. Can your team play? And right now, you're losing to Colorado State at home. Okay, after after winning against a pathetic TCU team and a, a really overmatched Nebraska team, I think Colorado is making strides. I think what Deion Sanders is doing and Coach Sanders is doing for the program is fantastic. He has eyes on it. I think what he's doing for college football, it makes you want to watch. It makes you want to tune in. He is an entertainer, okay? He will also recruit really well there because people want – that flair. They want that notoriety. They want to meet the rock, for example. He's going to do well there. But as far as the on the field play, let's be honest with what Colorado is. They're a solid team and nothing more. They're not a championship level team, and few are, okay? They should never have been ranked in the top 25, uh, not even not even close. And they're going to be absolutely embarrassed in a couple of games coming up when they, they really get their crux in their schedule. They got to go to Washington State, 
they have to take on Oregon. They have to take on USC. They still have to go to Utah. I mean, they're still going to lose enough games where they're not a real threat. And I think we're learning tonight, Tim, that you can buy everybody sunglasses, but it doesn't mean you're covering a 24-and-a-half-point spread. Right. And you said they're a solid team. That's still to be debated. We'll see how the season goes. But already, Tom, already the idiots all over social media giving excuses why this game is so close. I've read numerous tweets about how they this was the look-ahead game to Oregon, Tommy. Game three of the season, you're looking ahead already to Oregon next week. To an in-state rival yeah, at home. Right, right. Come on. Idiots. And, and, and by the way, to shut all those idiots up, uh, Dion said it was personal. Sanders put that out there. Now it's personal, meaning we're going to slaughter this team, right? We're going to kill this team. His son, this moron, this complete, absolute complete moron you don't want any part of it i forget about nfl team people talking nfl team he's starting fights an hour before the game at midfield your quarterback doesn't do that he's standing in the field and poking guys in the eye did you see that film tim literally trying to poke guys eyes out what kind of moron and that's the only word i'm going to use here oh can can you really be to do stuff like that well come on come on stop and and sanders is shown tonight he's not even the best quarterback in colorado so calm down with the heisman talk yeah, the quarterback should never be involved in any of that kind of stuff. Never. It's, that's not a leader. That's an idiot. I don't – look, I didn't mind him running down the field to defend Hunter. I actually didn't mind that. But trying to trying to poke a guy's eyes out, I, I mean, what, what what are we doing, man? You know, uh, come on. Yeah, you know, and you keep hearing the, the conversation, changing the face of the game. You're not changing anything. You're not changing anything with this kind of, of ridiculousness. I mean – immediately NFL, you know, NFL executives are looking at this and they're going, why do I want a guy that got into three separate fights tonight against lowly Colorado state that you were 24 and a half point favorites over. You felt the need to try to poke guys eyes out, maybe get thrown out of the game. If that was caught, by the way, the refs happened to not see that. If that was caught, you know, you're thrown out of the game. What are you doing? What are you doing? Well, before we look at the landscape of the top 25, Tom, let's, let's go ahead and talk about what happened here in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. UNLV down 17-0 at one point uh, in just a back-and-forth second half. Literally should have lost this game on, on, in the final seconds, final minute, where they survived a missed field goal by Vanderbilt, and they end up going back down and kicking the game-winning field goal with four seconds left. So the Rebels, Tom, now 2-1. and one. 2-0 at Allegiant, 40-37, they beat Vanderbilt from the SEC. Here we go again, right? We have we have uh, basically overreaction Sundays. Well, this should be calm down Saturdays, okay? <laughs> uh, very, very nice win, right? And I'm not even saying it was lucky win that the guy missed it. Because, listen, UNLV had, had control of this game for most of the game. It was a really well-executed win. I can't believe the offense got going like it did. That was really good to see as well. You have to tip your hat to UNLV. You have to enjoy it. But at the end of the day, Tim, this is the same Vanderbilt. Let's not make a mountain out of a molehill, right? We talked about this. This is the same Vanderbilt team that nearly lost a game to Hawaii. Okay? Hawaii flying all the way across country. They nearly lost a game at home to Hawaii. Longest road trip or you know, that, uh, that, that we're going to see this year. After all that stuff that happened in Maui, the emotions just drained from them. They almost lost that game. Let's keep in mind that this is not the big, bad, mighty SEC this year. Let's keep in mind that even the sports books had them at minus four, Vanderbilt minus four, minus three and a half. So it's a small upset. I don't think anybody is shocked that UNLV played well. I don't think there's many people that are absolutely flawed. You think people are floored? Oh, man, I can't believe that UNLV at home beat the worst SEC team. No, you go, okay. It is a solid win. It's something to build off of. It's a good win to enjoy if you're a UNLV fan. It's a good win to celebrate if you're a UNLV fan. It's a you know a win on the ledger. It's a growing period. All that is good. Just calm down because, like you said, I go to the X, the Twitter, all the social media, and, and people are basically just going, here we go, told you so, told you so, here we go, bowl team, we're the best. Guys, it's not Van. You didn't beat Bama, right? I mean, it's Vanderbilt, and put it up against where it was. It's Vanderbilt on the road. They nearly lost to Hawaii at home. So, great win. Tip your cap, but pump the brakes. 
I agree. Wins a win. Gives them two. They're two and one on the year. Down 17 nothing, right, Tom? They come back and put up 30 unanswered at that point to take a 30-17 lead. The problem was they gave up 20 unanswered back the other way. So if you were there, which is another point I'm going to make here in a second, but if you were there, this was an exciting football game. It was really – you get a missed field goal with, with a, under a minute to go. They drive back down on blown coverage and kick a field goal to win it. If, if you're a home team fan, what a way to win, right? Speaking of home team fans, Tom, the announced attendance – was 22,582. Now, I have reliable sources who are in the the building, Chris Chapman, by the way, Magnum. It wasn't 22,000, Tom. So here we go again with the pad and the stats. So the announced was 35% of that facility. The Allegiant Stadium holds 65,000. They said 22,500 was there. It wasn't 22,500, Tom. Let's be real. I'll tell you, I watched the game, uh, you know, and it didn't sound like it. But, it, you know, sometimes the TV can be misleading. And I assumed that Vanderbilt wasn't traveling well. Again, it's not, you know, this is not an SEC team that's just going to travel. So I figured, uh, yeah, they would have a tough showing. But I did think that the UNLV fans would, would show out here, Tim. You know, I mean, it is still a good opponent. It is still at Allegiant. It's still, uh, you know, an SEC team for all of that. I thought that they would show up. How many do you think that there was? <laughs> 15 to 18, I would I would assume. If somebody knows, okay. if somebody was there listening and, and truly wants to say what they think, more than happy to, to, to pass that along. Cause, um, and I'm not even saying 22 is acceptable, but for this program the way it is, you'd have to think, hey, that's not bad. But when you play in a cavernous arena or a stadium like that, you know, you're third full, the look isn't good. I'll say this. Uh, what, what, what's the what's the number that UNLV wants to get to to be happy? Is it 30, 25? Yeah, I would say 30, right? 30 makes sense, yeah. Yeah. My, my problem is that now that they've won, oh, hell, let's go to the Rebel game next week, right, guys? If they would have lost, it would have been less than this week. It's crazy. Vegas, Vegas in parentheses, fans, the way they are. Quotes, whatever you want to put it, however you want to say it. You should, we should, do need to keep an eye on Doug Brumfield got hurt, Tom, early and never came back, so I'm not sure the injury report there. And we had talked about Brumfield's struggles in the first two games, right, Tom? So th- not a good thing here for the Rebels. I'm not uh, sold on what I saw from Maiva in, the sec- in this game anyways. But, again, like you he said. He tried to give the game away late, Tim. He, he tried to give the game away. Terrible interception, right? What, what are you doing at that point? We'll see. Next up for the Rebels, though, Tom. UTEP, uh, I think that's a winnable game as well, right? Yeah, UTEP's playing right now. They're playing Arizona tough, though. Their defense is tough. Uh, it's 17-3 midway through the third. UTEP's got yeah. a good defense. So that Again, here's another game where I, I, I think UTEP has a chance to win. UTEP probably, I don't know if they're going to be favored, but it, it'll be close. But no one's going to be shocked if UNLV wins. It's conference play that really is going to make the difference here. But listen, a win is a win. It gets you closer to that bowl game. Right. Colorado had the ball on the three, had to settle for three points, Tom. 21-17, Rams lead on the road, 13 and a half to go in the fourth quarter. We'll keep you up to date with that as it progresses. Well, let's talk about the top 25, Tom. Uh, Already, what is this, week three officially, a lot of struggling teams in the top 25, including we'll start with number three. How about Florida State? Uh, seemed like a comfortable lead. Had to hang on for dear life as Boston College at home almost stole this one. Yeah, not one top five team covered today. Uh, Florida State had this game generally in hand, but you could see the struggles all day. Boston College was playing on uh, you know their red band down today. Those that don't know, um, uh, one of the guys was uh, – for for you know a fireman for 9-11 that used to play for boston college running up and down the stairs it's one of the things they do i mean it's very emotional day they change their uniforms they change their sideline attire that's not an excuse for florida state to play as poorly as they did um but they got out of there with a win it's a road win it's a road conference win it's a road conference win after your offense has still been putting up 30 something some odd points in a really emotional spot Boston College isn't a very good team at all. I mean, last week I had, you know, uh, Holy Cross beating them. So they're not a, a very good team. 
and it wasn't a good showing by Florida State. But there are a lot of factors of uh, the same things that you said, you know, Coach Sanders in Colorado uh, for givers. Hey, the look-ahead game, we've been scoring a lot. It's an emotional spot, sure, except it was on the road. So I guess you could kind of swallow it. You can't feel good if you're a Florida State fan right now, but it's not like they should drop. Where else in the top 25 do you, would you like to uh, progress through, Thomas? I mean, we had a couple Let's upsets, talk about Alabama. You know? Okay. I, I, let's talk Bama, man. They don't have a quarterback. They struggled mightily today. I mean, it was, let's just put it this way. It, it was it was a sad, sad performance by Alabama, who in South Florida, again, on the road, I get it, but South Florida is, is a terrible team, okay? South Florida is t- one and two. Um, their quarterback had 87 yards passing today. It was a 3-3 game at the half. 3-3 at the half. Alabama pulls away. They win the 17-3, to but it was even closer than that. I mean, there was a lot of points of this game that you really thought that Bama was, was just, that was it. They were done. Uh, they pull away. They get a, a, a slight win. But the biggest thing is they sat, they benched their starting quarterback, brought in their backup. How does a, a university with Nick Saban running the show, the name Alabama, the success of Alabama, the, the money of Alabama, how do they not have a quarterback on the roster? After going through, you know, Bryce Young and Tua and Jones and, and the lineage of the last, what, decade of just having quarterback after quarterback after quarterback after, how do you have zero quarterback on your team? I think Alabama's toast this season. Yeah, I think we, we discussed it after week one. We were thinking four losses might not be uh, too far off, Tom. No, no, you're, you're right. I, if they were to drop today's game as 33-point favorites, um, this would have been, I mean, the, the shot heard around the world kind of thing. I mean, I think that this would have, you would have heard, <laughs> you know, Alabama fans absolutely lose their minds. They get out, and now they're hoping that, you know, the backup quarterback could kind of be the savior. So there's a little bit of a light there. But, look, we are talking about a national championship or bust with Alabama, and they're just nowhere near that that caliber and that label right now. How about the national champs? Georgia down 14-3 at the break. They find a way to pull this out in the second half. 24-14, they win it. But my more main question is, now through three games, Carson Beck, the quarterback, Heisman candidate, National champion uh, backup quarterback to, to Stetson from last year, Stetson Bennett. Uh, he he doesn't look – again, we'll talk about the quarterbacks, right, Tom? He doesn't look comfortable right now, and that could be a bigger issue. I know Georgia, when you look at the schedule, it kind of plays in their favor, but he just doesn't look comfortable right now in that. Do you see the same thing? Yeah, I do, and I see a down SEC where he should be dominating and he's not. Um, look, today, South Carolina is a tough team. And I thought everybody that I spoke to uh, of the reporters that I know in South Carolina or in uh, at the SEC said South Carolina's going to give them a game today. They're going to give them some kind of game. Uh, I didn't think that this close, but they gave them a game. I'm not getting too down on it, but we did talk about in the preseason. They have a joke of a schedule. He has all year to kind of fix it. But I'd start getting nervous. By the way, nervous time for the coach with the sunglasses. Colorado just Colorado State just scored again. It is now 28-17, CSU. Deion Sanders. I will not call him Coach Prime. Deion Sanders, the man that can't tackle, might be going down. I love it, man. I love it. Maybe we shouldn't have game day on week two in Colorado. (laughs) Right. Right. What do you think? You know, when you have Tennessee, Florida, by the way, Tennessee, Florida um, on the schedule. Maybe we shouldn't have game day at week two, Colorado. Colorado let's, be, let's be honest, Tom. They had game day there because they thought it, ESPN figured that's a win. Why are you know why not have game day there? Bring out the celebrities and have Coach Sanders run up the score on Colorado State, their in-state rival. He said, "Oh, you made it personal now." Yep. Oh, made it personal. Man, I bought everybody sunglasses. Lay the twenty-four and a half. <laughs> Let's see. Ohio State wins comfortably over Western Kentucky. How about how about your Huskies there? I know we talked about it in the preview. They put up 41 against Chris Wins, Michigan State Spartans, Michael Penix, four touchdowns. Uh, Rome Adunze, right? Star receiver, Washington. Bishop Gorman kid, by the way. Another big day. Washington, we, we talked about their schedule. It sucks late in the season. They really did get the, the worst end of it, but... Anything can happen when you put momentum behind them. If they can get to where they need to get to, it's the, the Pac-12 is going to be fun to watch late. 
this is a bigger win that people are going to make credit for. I mean, Penix 473 is great, but Washington goes into Michigan State during a coaching change, really, right? You know what I mean? It, it, that usually kind of pumps people up. It gets your kids going. It gets everybody excited. A big coaching change. I thought that maybe the defense would come to play. There was no defense at all. Penix just absolutely destroyed this team. Number two, Michigan wins the final game of Harbaugh suspension, so they're 3-0. and how about the battle in the swamp, Tom? Number 11, Tennessee. Done. They're done. 29-16, Florida beats them. Yeah, Florida, it was a weird game. Tennessee couldn't get anything going. There was a lot of cheap shots in this game. There, there was fisticuffs afterwards. It was uh, kind of what you expect. But Tennessee hasn't beaten Florida in literally like 20 years in the swamp. So it's not all that shocking. Tennessee, like you said, they're done. Good season. Move on. <laughs> Travis Etienne's uh, younger brother goes for 172. And he just looked fantastic. Texas wins at home against Wyoming, Oregon. They struggled. They did off that big win last week. They struggled week, right? a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, that was a that was a ten seven game uh, at the half, and that was a ten ten game going into the fourth quarter. Ten ten going into the fourth quarter. Wyoming is a good team. They are playing well. They needed that pick six too. Turned it around for them. So. Oregon, 55 spot on Hawaii as they get ready for Coach Prime, Tom, next week. They might put 80 up against them. <laughs> Colorado right. State just put up 28. Nicolese has 300 yards passing. You don't think Oregon's going for 50 again? Come on. I would smile if I saw that, Tom. I would smile. Well, no, be careful here. Colorado's going to come back and win this game, win it by like two and it's going to be called the gutty, gritty win. <laughs> I have to say this, because if, if this happens, Tom, there'll be the the yahoos out there that will claim that we never said anything like that, even though you can roll the tape and hear it. But number nine, Notre Dame, now 4-0, 41-17 win. Not only do we have him as our dark horse candidate to win the national title, but we also have Sam Hartman taking that Heisman home, 330 yards, three touchdowns today for the former Wake Forest quarterback. Their schedule is brutal, but let me tell you something. I don't know if there's a more – I thought Florida State was the team coming in. I don't think that there's been a more impressive team early in the season than Notre Dame, what they're doing. Uh, they are taking games that could be close, taking games that maybe are, are walkovers, and Hartman has just shown that he's just not going to let that happen. He is really, truly the difference maker. And I'm not making a big deal about Central Michigan. Uh, but, again, a lot of teams had letdowns today, right? A lot of teams slept, walked through things. Nope, not Hartman, not Notre Dame. Too experienced, too too much of a veteran leadership there. LSU, 41-14 win over Mississippi State. How about Penn State, Tom? Ranked seventh in the country. 30-13, Big Ten win over Illinois. They're 3-0. Yeah, Penn State looks good, and Penn State was one of those teams that, again, a lot of the uh, the Big Ten guys that I know said, watch this team. They might be able to, to kind of be that team this year uh, to kind of surprise some people. So, we got to keep an eye on them. But, again, until you could beat the big boys, um, and that is Ohio State and Michigan, can't take you serious, not yet. So it's a nice win. Keep going. But we've seen this before. Other than Tennessee, the only other top 25 school to drop a game today was number 15, Kansas State, who I thought was overrated anyways, Tom. You know, people love Kansas State. I saw some of the sports books uh, saying, like, 80% of the people on Kansas State. I didn't get it. I think you got to be nuts if you're uh, betting on Kansas State in that spot. They were primed for an upset. Look, I didn't have the guts to go against them, uh, but I think you're crazy to have 80% of the money coming in on a team like Kansas State. By the way, Colorado is driving, and Kansas just scored on Nevada. Kansas was a 28-point favorite today. Tim, I liked Kansas. I knew they were going to score. Never expected Nevada to put up this kind of fight. Real quick on the Missouri game, if – if you didn't see it, the kid that won the game. It was a 61-yard field goal, Tommy, that won the game for him. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes, it, it was. was. Yeah. Very impressive. Yeah, that was huge. Uh, longest field goal in SEC history. All right. Well, let's do this. Unless you, there's anything in college that we didn't touch on? No, let's get to the NFL. All right. We'll keep you updated on the these, these uh, NCAA games as we move along. We'll take the quick time out. Reset, come back. Week two of the NFL. We'll break it down for you. On the other side of the break, it's Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. 
That right now that person is not sold out to be a part of this team. It is more about them than it is about the team. Cannot play with them. Cannot win with them. Cannot coach with them. Can't do it. I want winners. I want people that want to win. This is Heatwave Sports. Here's Tom Barton and Tim Unglesby. Quick update on the college scoreboard. Colorado settles for a field goal, Tom. Now 28-20. Colorado State Rams lead 7-33 to go in the fourth. Uh, Fresno State 29-0 over Arizona State as they just started the fourth quarter. Nevada with the ball, five minutes to go at home. Kansas 31-24 lead. And Arizona just scored again, Tom. So they are up over UTEP, you know, he's next opponent. 24-3 with about two minutes to go in the third. So here we go, Tommy. Can Colorado State now put this game away is what it's going to come down to. Look, uh, I think so. You know, I, I was saying, what, five minutes ago, yeah, you know what, uh, maybe Colorado come back and, and win this game. They've now been, since I said that, they've been within the 10-yard line and with the field goal. They were just on the 20, what, 21 or 22-yard line, came away with a field goal. You you can't win games like that. And I think that Colorado State, who has been running the ball pretty well tonight, in key spots, they're doing the little dump-offs. I, I think that this is going to be a Colorado State money line winner. All right. We will see what happens here as this game progresses towards the end. So now it's time for week two of the NFL. Like Tom said, week one, a lot of overreactions coming out of Sunday's games leading into the week. And, Tom, we've already had a game in week two. We saw Philadelphia now 2-0 with a 34-28 win at home over the Vikings. Vikings, Tom, now dropped to 0-2. and Any thoughts on Thursday nighter? No, I mean, uh, look, it's easy to kind of jump on a team when they win. Uh, I, I and jump off of a team when they lose. I think we knew Minnesota was going to come down. Madison is just not doing the job. One of the keys to us not picking Minnesota, at least me not picking Minnesota, to do anything big this year at all, I, I didn't have them making the playoffs, is because I think you lose Dalvin Cook, it's a lot. I think you lose Adam Thielen, it's a lot, right? Uh, Jordan Addison is not jumping onto the scene like we believe. Kirk Cousins still looks great. He still looks great. It's just you can't go out there and expect to win one possession games basically all year long like they did last year. And, and as for Philly, I'm going to take the counter effect here. I don't think that Philly looks too good, Tim. I think Philly's defense looks downright bad at times. Uh, they had Bill Belichick, Mac Jones absolutely carved them up. Then you had Turner. I know they are dealing with injuries. I don't care. Mac Jones teared them up. And then Kirk Cousins. Yeah, you could get down him for another preseason or primetime loss and everything else. He absolutely tore up this defense. So I think if you're Philadelphia, you're happy at 2-0. I mean, you're ecstatic and you're beating quality teams, but your defense is really not look good. And I'll be honest with you, Jalen Hurts has had massive, massive setbacks at times during the game. I think he corrects his game. To me, this is a team that is dealing with a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover. They're sort of sleepwalking through with things. I think in game five, six, we're going to see a completely different Philly team. Before we look at start looking at the games, too, you're always talking about an injury report. And already we know, Tom, guys like in, in Green Bay, for example, Aaron Jones not going to play. Watson's not going to play. Dallas, Brandon Cooks is out. In uh, On the Monday nighter, looks like Amari Cooper is going to be out. So already injuries taking teams out. But I want to look more out, more so at the guys coming back for week two. I'm talking about the likes of the Mark Andrews and the Travis Kelseys. Yeah, look, Andrews and Kelsey, uh, obviously, from my, anybody that plays fantasy, we know that what they can do. Andrews is going to be a nice addition coming back. I do believe that Lamar Jackson is still relying upon his wide receivers more this year. So I don't think he's going to be this massive addition. The addition that I do think is Kelsey. I mean, he's just that guy, right? I mean, it, look at the numbers uh, when Mahomes doesn't have Kelsey and Hill, and look at the numbers when he does. You can see it. it. It's what he needs. It's his check down guy. It's all the other things. I think Kelsey is a massive guy coming back. Um, you mentioned guys being out. Look, the, the Seahawks are dealing with offensive line problems. The Texans are going to be down three offensive linemen in that game. 
The Jaguars could be down upwards of three offensive linemen. The Giants could be down upwards of three offensive linemen as well. So we talk about the big flashy names, and you're talking about the big fantasy names and everything else. But, Tim, looking at this from an X's and O's standpoint, the offensive line that is beaten up all over the place, those are the names that I'm looking at. And well, since you brought it up, when you're looking at selections for your plays, how much do you factor into that a point spread? Like how much are those guys worth to you? Pretty enormous. Um, depending Again, depending on the scheme. If you're a blitz-happy team, if you're a team that gets after the quarterback, uh, one of the things that – reasons last year opening day, I took Pittsburgh against Cincinnati because they were down two offensive linemen. Joe Burrow was coming back from an, from an injury. And they're just that team that's going to get after you, you know, so – there are spots. Look, the Giants missing two offensive linemen isn't going to factor in as much because they're going up against Arizona as maybe it would uh, the Colts who have a pretty decent rush against the Texans, for example. So it's not a tell- telltale. It's not a, I'm going all in because of this, but it certainly can sway me one way or the other. All right, well, let's dive in, Tom. Week two of the NFL Sunday edition. And we're going to start with the by the way, Tim, before we before we dive in, I just want to give scoring update here. Yeah. Uh, or non-scoring update. Colorado State now over uh, midfield. They have just gotten three first downs in a row. It's about four minutes left. They are draining this clock, and Colorado looks lifeless to stop them. Get another 10 or 15, put them in field goal position. That should do it, right, Tom? I, I don't even know if they're going to give them the ball back. Even better, then. Yeah, they may not touch it again. Yeah, even better. Let's start, Tom, in Buffalo with the Buffalo Bills coming off a horrendous Monday night performance in the second half, losing that game to the Zach Wilson-led Jets. They're going to welcome in for their home opener, Mr. Where was that game played last? That was played in New York. For their home opener against the 1-0 Las Vegas Raiders, Tom. Vegas went to Denver, squeaks out a one-point win there with the new quarterback in Jimmy G. So if you're looking at tomorrow's game, 10 o'clock time, the Bills are nine-point favorite. The total is 47. I saw this uh, this, this line fell all the way down to 7.5 for a, a brief moment there. You can still get it at 8 out there. A lot of money coming in on the Las Vegas Raiders. I think that people's eyes are what they are, right? I mean, we think about what we just last saw. And what you just last saw was Josh Allen looking terrible. I mean, he just he just looked bad. But I also give you the other side to this, and I'm going to tell you that Josh Allen is still one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the NFL. Josh Allen plays the game like his hair is on fire. This is also a West Coast to an East Coast trip. The Bills are going to be in Orchard Park. That place is going to be an absolutely full throat. That place is going to be outstanding. The Bills' defense, which is something that I talked about numerous times during last year and during this year, they were banged up, all kinds of banged up. They played really well, okay? They played really well on Monday night, and now they're fully healthy with a game under their belt. The Raiders are dealing with some injuries, right? I I mean, you have Jacoby Meyer, who looked great last year or last week. Yeah, he's out of this game. So they're going to need to really, really, really establish the run. The thing with the Raiders is this. I have confidence that Jimmy G can win games. I have zero confidence that Jimmy G can come back and win games with an aerial assault. So you have to keep this on the ground with, with Jacobs. It's nearly impossible to run on the Bills. I know it was one broken play by Brees Hall. You go back, look at the film. You talk to a Buffalo fan. There was a holding on that call anyway. But you take away that big run. They didn't do much. I don't expect Jacobs to have a big game tomorrow. So Jimmy G is going to have to go to the air. He's going to have to beat the Bills on the road going to Devontae Adams and then whoever else he finds because Jacoby Myers out. That's not a, a, a play I want to go near. I know it's a rising line. I know it's a... A line that is threatening that 10 might not be good weather there. All of it leads to the Raiders. And I understand why people are jumping on the Raiders. I, I'm looking at this the other way. And I'm going, you, could, you couldn't pay me to jump on the Raiders here. I can be persuaded to jump on the Buffalo Bills because of all that I said. And I believe, before the year, I believe that the Bills would win in the Super Bowl. Not much has changed in week one. Josh Allen just had a bad game. They happen. They happen to everybody, okay? Uh, I'm not going crazy about the game that he should have won. And the only reason he didn't win is because he fumbled the ball at the end. I'm not going crazy about that. The Jets defense is better than the Vegas defense. I think the Jets running game is better than the Jet than the Raiders running game. Uh, so it was just the passing game that kind of is the difference maker. And that's the problem. 
I don't believe Jimmy G could do that on the road. I'm not sure. Correct me if I'm wrong, anybody, because I don't cover the Raiders per se. But I don't. I believe they stayed on the road, Tom, after that that loss or that win in Denver. I don't. I don't know if they came back home because I don't think it would made sense at that point. It still does. I mean, does does it matter? Nah, you know, it's still West Coast to East Coast. Yeah, you're right. Because it's not like they played. It's not like they played. You know, in Philly. <laughs> you know what I mean. So it's still a travel. Yeah. Yeah, I like I like Buffalo tomorrow too. I, you know, I, I'm not even looking at the line itself because I think people fall in love with the high number off a team that just won a game. And you're right, Myers was the star last week. It wasn't Devonte. So now you really have to lean in on Devonte. And don't think Buffalo doesn't know that. Maybe you see. Um, some more targets for for Meyer, the tight end from Notre Dame, the rookie. Uh, other than that, you you really you got to find another star there somewhere. And um, like you said, I think if you lay in nine, Tim, if you're laying nine with Buffalo, you're nervous at the half. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. But getting into the fourth quarter, I think you're going to go okay. This this has a game of uh, uh, of James Cook written all over it. Buffalo could win 31-17, and, and that's you cover, and it's it, it is what it is, right? I mean, that's yeah, absolutely. Kind of the way I trend, yeah, yeah. I think that's um, that's where I'm going. 31-17. Tim Sanders is getting the ball back with under three minutes to go. Uh, mm. Fourth and two, it looks like for Colorado. So they're gonna have to uh, they got Colorado State. I mean, they're gonna have to punt the ball away. They're at Colorado's forty-five, so. I don't think he's uh, trying like a you know sixty-three yard field goal. So they're going to have to go at least eighty yards and get the two-point conversion to force an overtime at this this point. So. Yeah, let let's let's uh, let's see what the kickback is. But yeah, basically, this is going to be it. I mean, you know, we're going to have the defining moment. Oh, 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 Tim, they're getting the ball at the two-yard line. Ninety-eight <laughs> yards is where he's got to go. <laughs> well, I mean, good thing you got that Heisman Trophy quarterback. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Against this vaunted Colorado State defense. <laughs> Seattle coming off an embarrassing loss at home to the Rams. A lot of people say that. They'll travel to Detroit, Tom, to take on the Lions. We were victorious in week one on Thursday night. They knocked out Kansas City. So the Lions, a four and a half point favorite, home opener, 47 and a half the total in that one. You got to think Seattle bounces back here, right, Tom? You would think so, but Jared Goff in a dome in Detroit has been absolutely fantastic. He really has. Last year, this game ended 48-45. Jared Goff, for those that haven't been paying attention, has become everything that we all believe Jared Goff would be with the Rams, which he never kind of amounted to. I know the guy went to the Super Bowl, but he was never kind of the focal point. He is now absolutely the focal point here. And he has been unstoppable with St. Brown, the sun god, and, and he's got Gibbs, I expect, to be used a little bit more out of the backfield. They have weapons upon weapons, and what they really built this around is a tremendously talented offensive line. We've talked about it a million times. I thought Penny Sewell was maybe the best player in the coming out in the draft that wasn't a quarterback, and, and Sewell has anchored that offensive line, giving Jared Goff a lot of time. Seattle's defense was torched last week through the air absolutely torched by guys named Puka and Tutu, okay? They absolutely were, were run all over uh, after the catch as well. So I have no confidence in the Seattle defense getting a push. The Seattle offense, I think, is going to be a lot better. Instead of relying upon Walker and the running game, I think they're going to let Geno Smith air this out. When you got guys like Lockett and Metcalf and, and you know Smith and Jackson Smith, I mean, they are going to get their points because of that. In a shootout, anything can happen. But I've watched how Jared Goff is looking out for two years in the Dome, and he is a different player at home. He is a fantastic player at home. Now, that game, this game, there's money on Seattle coming in. This was five and a half at one point, Tom. It's down to four and a half. I'm, I'm using DraftKings, by the way, as my, my source for Lions tonight. Which is shocking, Tim, because after what the Lions did to Kansas City, I assumed the world would be on the Lions. I thought everybody would jump on the Lions. Uh, to see it go the other way is is shocking to me. Chargers in Nashville to take on the Titans. Chargers a, a shootout loss to Miami at home last week. Tennessee 
the two-and-a-half-point home dog. Tom, two-and-a-half-point home dog for the Titans, 45-and-a-half is the total. Your thoughts on this one? Well, here's what we have. The Chargers are a pass-funnel offense, okay? That means they, they don't care if they run the ball, really. They are going to pass it all day because they're going up against Tennessee. Tennessee absolutely cannot stop the pass. They can stop the run. They have some good playmakers up the middle against the run. But on the pass, this is a, a Mike Williams type of game, a Keenan Allen type of game. Uh, maybe Quentin Johnson gets involved. I think Justin Herbert's going to have a million attempts here. I really do. You want a, you want a, a prop play? Justin Herbert over for the attempts is going to be it. But Tennessee knows that as well. They know, look, we can't stop anybody. Look at what they just did against Derek Carr, right? Uh, Shaid looked good. Thomas looked good. Of course, uh, Olave looked good. They are going to pass the ball. But when they have their opportunities to get the ball in their hands, it's going to be the Derrick Henry, slow it down, methodical, keep Herbert on the sidelines, let's grind this out kind of game. And if you're talking about a coaching advantage, a pure coaching advantage, Tim, is there a bigger coach? Maybe Reed. But is there really a bigger coaching advantage that we've seen as opposed to Brandon Staley, who is a terrible coach and finds ways to lose, and Mike Vrabel, who consistently takes less talented players and makes them okay? Let's also remember that last week, Ryan Tannehill had a horrific game. I like the Chargers, okay? And I almost would go with the Chargers here, and I told you I almost thought about it. But the more I dug in, the more I said, this could be sloppy. They can make them play their style. Rabel's going to come up with something. I can't touch this game because there's a million reasons to like Tennessee, despite all of the talent that is in uh, Los Angeles there. I mean, the Chargers, again, they just find ways to lose. And here's the hidden theme for tonight, Tom, that we're going to talk about is you mentioned it last week or Sunday night on the Super Sunday night edition of the show. Two lost teams that we didn't expect to be in this situation. And when you look at, we talked about the Bills earlier, we think they, they right the ship this week. But what if the Chargers drop this game to 0-2? And what about, you know, the Chiefs could be 0-2 as well. It could be a blessing in disguise here if a loss happens because last year at this point, you know, we, we were talking a month and a half into the season, and the, half the teams in the AFC West were already eliminated from the playoff chase at that point. So we could be seeing a – possibly, Tom, we could be seeing a um, Raider team in first place after two weeks after tomorrow. I mean, could happen. It could be the Broncos. I mean, one win would put you in first place in that division. I was going to say, Raiders aren't winning tomorrow, but they don't need to. <laughs> right. Right. They already got a win. How about this one? Give me give me your thoughts on this since it concerns team heavy to your heart. Chicago Bears, just an embarrassment last week against the Packers. They hit the road to take on Tampa, successful over Minnesota. And the Tommy, the DraftKings line for this game tomorrow is Bucks two and a half at home, forty one the total. Yeah, the Bucks scare me. They do. Um as a Bears fan and you, it's easy to rip on the Bears. Look, they played a pretty close game to, for the half last week, and then kind of things just fell apart. Uh, but the Bucks scare me because and exactly why I like them plus the six last week. They have really good linebackers. And really good linebackers means you're not going to be able to get out. You're not going to be able to pass to the running backs. You're not going to be able to do things. You would think that Justin Field would have a hard time running because he's going to be spied on, okay? And when you look at Justin Fields being spied on and what he can do and, the, and what he can do with his legs – uh, that is a massive part of their game. The flip out, the short pass, that's a massive part of the game. You then look at the Bucs and you go, well, Baker Mayfield also has this team rolling. They have a lot of talent, Godwin and Evans. But they scare me because I don't understand what in God's name Luke Getze is doing as the offensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears. And, and, and I really don't. After the game, you heard some of the comments, and Justin Fields was trying not to bury his head, uh, offensive coordinator, but he did. He said, you know, well, we executed the game plan and basically was asked, well, was the game plan to, to throw it? Yeah, the game plan was to go downfield all day. What? Now, remember, early on, they were they were working it. It was okay. They were running. It was a close game. Everything was looking okay for this team. And Tim, suddenly, out of nowhere, all of a sudden, they started to throw the ball. Except they didn't throw the ball to DJ Moore, the guy that... that they went out and spent all their money on the big free agency or free agent acquisition. One of the best wide receivers that has ever played for the Bears. He got two attempts. Don't tell me he wasn't open. I watched the tape. He was. Darnell Mooney did a good job, sure. But why was the game plan after you had a successful first half, 
of running the ball and keeping it close to the vest. Why was the game plan so good? Now start throwing it downfield. It made no sense. So now you go into a Bucks game, and Luke Getze uh, knows exactly what I know, where you can't really do the short passes, and you, 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 you're you going to have to be controlled with the run. What do you think his game plan is going to be now? Let's go deep again. And, and again, I just think that that's the Bears' problem, that they want to be a team that they're not designed for. They want to be this downfield passing team, throw it up, let the guys run under it, but they're not. DJ Moore can can do it, and Fields can do it, sure. Even Darnell Mooney could do it. But the problem is, Tim, they don't have the offensive line to do it. They lost two offensive linemen three weeks uh, before camp ended. Guys, this is a mess. So do I think the Bears can win? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I think if the Bears come together with a good game plan and Fields can really take away, look, if Levante David has to spy on him or if Devon, uh, Devin White has to spy on him, that takes away a little bit of the middle of the field. There are things that can be done. I just don't trust the coaching staff to do it. I had a quick thought on Tampa. Do you want to give the update, though? You go ahead. Give the update, Tim. So all the crap I was talking about, Sanders, the quarterback, he goes 98 yards, 45-yard touchdown pass, and then the two-point conversion as well. Tom, 28 all, 36 seconds to go. Colorado State will have the ball. It looks like we're going overtime, and it looks like we'll find a way. Sanders, Tom, you to find a way to pull this in. It's going to be the Heisman moment, Tim. You didn't really think the TV networks were going to let him go down, right? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know how they say, they're always the old disgruntled guys in the sports books, oh, they made the call. They made the call to the front office. They made the phone call, yep. They that, made the phone call. Natty. That was an old Ron Natty, Nattyism. Was know. it really? They're going to make the call, Timmy. Yeah. Sure as hell they did. <laughs> Imagine the power of making a phone call to make a guy catch like a 33-yard pass like right. on the sideline. It's, it's, it's amazing how the world works, huh? Crazy. I, I wonder just If you believe that, then we're just living in the matrix at that point. So, of course. I'm, well, we yeah. have, do you remember that game? I think it's still around. It's just a modern version. But do you remember when we were in high school so I can date ourselves here? That, remember that game Sim City? You remember that? Oh, yes. Yeah. That's, that's what we live in, Tom. We live in Sim that's City. That's what we have. Look, I could go down the uh, the conspiracy wormhole with you, man. You know, it, it, I'm not a flat earther, but short of that, I got a lot of conspiracies. So, I mean, we could go that way, but I'm not one of those guys that think you're picking up a phone and getting a two-point conversion. Right. Definitely things that make you go, hmm, though, sometimes. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. National but TV game, here it is. Game day's there. What a drive. And they're going to forget when they win this game because Colorado's inevitably winning right now. Uh, they're going to all forget that Colorado State, just a terrible team this year, who, who's still looking for their first win, put up 28 points, forced overtime. Uh, Nicolisi uh, threw for 324 and looked like the better quarterback at times. They're going to forget all this. It's going to go, well, we didn't have Hunter. What guile by this team? What is it? Oh, oh you know, I can't wait because I, I just, I, I'll give you my free pick next week. Oregon minus everything. <laughs> there you go. And in two weeks, USC minus everything. And in four weeks, Utah minus everything. And Washington State minus everything. End of the year, though. Six and six, Tom. A hell of a season for Colorado. So there you go. Well, before the year began, I told you that before the year began, the Fox crew sat there. And I wish I remembered who it was. and I don't. The Fox crew sat there and made this statement with a totally straight face. You know, if Deion Sanders takes this team and goes 500, he's coach of the year. Yeah. Straight face. No, he, like, believed that. <laughs> let me let me talk on Tampa real quick since, since we were talking Bears-Tampa. So a lot of people just assumed, right, Tom? When I say a lot of people, I mean it's a very open-ended category of, of people. But, ah, Tom Brady's retired. They're going to rebuild. They're bringing in that bum Baker Mayfield. Don't expect much from Tampa, right? Everything you could say negatively was brought up. When you look at that division, number one, Carolina, Tampa, Atlanta, and New Orleans, I don't see anybody running away with that division. Baker looked okay last week in that win over Minnesota. He didn't make any mistakes. Uh, Numbers aren't flashy, but you know what, Tom? 62% passing and two touchdowns will take it. I thought the running game was 
so so. Uh, you know, I expect more out of White, maybe this week. Tucker, after that, it's it's you know Tucker's the backup. He didn't really get many many carries as it was, but they still got like you said before. They still got a, a, a duo there in Evans and Godwin that combined for. 11, touch, 11 grabs and, and 120 yards receiving and a touchdown. Is it so? And you mentioned the defense, right, in Tampa. Is it so far off to say, Tom, that they win tomorrow, they go to 2-0, and and in their first division game is in two weeks at New Orleans, and they can find a way to be 3-1 and after four weeks that they're still in this thing? I mean, I'm not looking at a Super Bowl champion, but I think the division is winnable if Baker can just stay consistent. If he starts to be Baker of old – they're going to have problems, but if he's consistent and steady, uh, you know, nine wins can win this division for you. Tim, your team uh, went very far with a guy that just did enough, right? I mean, you're talking Trent Dilfer. That's all Baker Mayfield has to do is just, just do enough. You don't have to do much. You really, truly don't have to do much. Just do enough. Don't make the big mistake. You know, get that first down when you need it. Just do enough. The problem that I have with Tampa, and you're right. It's a weak division, so I could see them winning this. The problem I have with Tampa is the idea that they can't run the ball right now. You know, um, their running back is more of a scat back anyway. Unless this kid Turner, like the fifth-round pick, turns around, and he might, um, and surprises people, they can't run the ball. They can't power the ball, and they can't consistently get. I always look at teams, and I go, okay, you're at third and three, third and two. What are you doing? Right? Do you trust Baker Mayfield to run the ball? No. Do you trust White to run the ball? No. You know, do you trust the slant pattern to Godwin or to Evans? Well, now you trust trusting Mayfield to make that perfect throw. You like a bruiser in there that you go, okay, look, I know I could get a couple of yards. And they just flat out don't have that. So can I see Tampa Bay uh, turning around and, and being that division winner? Yeah, because it's a bad division. Uh, but I do worry the fact that they really, really, really cannot run the ball with any consistency. And people are going to start going, you know what? We'll play, we'll play you guys back. And we're just going to bring that linebacker and kind of put him in the middle and take away the Godwin, double-team Evans, and then you have nothing. Going overtime in Boulder, 28-all. When we come back from this timeout, Tom, this game may be over. We'll get you updated on that. Fresno State, 29 nothing. seven minutes to go in the fourth. Arizona now putting the beat down on UTEP, 31-3, nine minutes in the fourth. And final up in Reno. Kansas 31-24 win over the Wolfpack. Kansas now 3-0 on the season. What a turnaround for that program so far here over the last few years. Let's take the top of the hour when we come back. More week two of the NFL here on Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. <laughs> 